0: You are listening to the Biz Rock Podcast with Dr. Vince Bantu, sponsored by the Jude 3 Project. We are so thankful for those who support the mission and vision of the Jude 3 Project to help us produce content such as the Biz Rock Podcast. If you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you could do so by going to jude3project.org and hitting that donate tab. You can either give by mail or give online. Thank you so much to our supporters. We appreciate you and we hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: Because of the recognition that you have, you know, gods of your town, gods of your family, gods of your country, gods of nature, gods of the earth, you know, gods of all kinds of things. It tends to add on rather than subtract. Mm. So over time, you know, Egypt is Egypt is an empire. Egypt takes over their neighbors. They take over Nubia in the Middle Kingdom. And what happens to the Nubian gods? They become part of the Egyptian pantheon. Mm. Okay, now there are gods too, because these are our people, therefore these are our gods.
2: All right hello uh everybody welcome to the jude 3 project and welcome to the bis podcast uh, i am your host for this podcast vince bantu and it is a pleasure and a blessing to welcome you all to this podcast which is a ministry of the jude 3 project which is purposed at equipping the body of christ and the black church and community to help us know what we believe and why and the bis project is one of our um, special ministries in the jude 3 project where we explore questions that are pertinent to early African Christianity. Uh, and, in, and part of that is we have dialogues and conversations uh, with scholars that are specialists in various areas in early African Christianity. And today, I am uh, very excited and, and pleased to be joined by a friend and a colleague, uh, Dr. Uh, Tamara Suda. And so um, I am, uh, just uh, want to welcome her to join me in this conversation today. Uh, our topic for today um, is a very popular topic, very controversial and also very live question in the Black community, not only in the United States, but actually in, uh, throughout the diaspora and even on the continent. And that is, is Christianity a copy of Egyptian religion? Uh, is Christianity a copy of Egyptian or Kemetic religion? Um, there a lot of you know it's a very live question, so we're going to get all into that today, but from a historical perspective. And and I am so excited, uh, and I think we could not have a better uh, guest to speak to that question uh, for multiple reasons. But I'm going to introduce now Dr. Suda, and then we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. Um, but Dr. Tamara Suda. Uh, has been researching and writing about Egypt and Egypt's pharaonic religion for three decades. She has a master's degree in Egyptology from the University of Chicago and a second master's degree in Coptic studies from Macquarie University. Tamara completed a PhD in religion from Claremont Graduate University where she wrote her dissertation about Coptic Martyrology and how it represents an evolution of the pharaonic ancestor cult. You see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, She founded the House of Netjer, a modern temple of ancient Egyptian polytheism in 1989, and she serves as its spiritual leader. Uh, And so without further ado, I want you all to give um, uh, Dr. Suda a virtual or a physical uh, applause and welcome her uh, to this podcast conversation. And uh, again, Dr. Suda, I just want to say hello and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very pl- I'm very pleased to have a chance to talk about these
2: things. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, just for the listeners, you know, Dr. Suda, you know this, but, uh, you know, again, like I'm, we've met, we've connected by doing Coptic studies, like kind of Egyptian Christian context. But, you know, I, my expertise is not really Pharaonic Egypt or kind of the traditional Egyptian religion. And so I've, you know, engaged this uh, because it's a, it's a live apologetical issue in my community. Um, But I've gone to Dr. Suda, y'all, to ask questions and really to get resources on, uh, on more how that compares with the Religion of Khemet or of uh, of Egypt, and so uh, I'm just so excited to be in this conversation with you, um, as you said, and 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 to get right to the title of this episode, uh, I, I was wondering, you know, I, I, let's 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 both just kind of reflect together on this question: um, uh, Is Christianity a copy of Egyptian uh, or Kemetic religion? Yeah. The easiest
1: yeah. answer is no. Yeah, if you, no, want, yeah, no, if you want to. Go home.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, like, no, it's not. Okay, the podcast is over. We can now go home. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep, yep.
1: The, the, the big answer is no. The more complex answer is no, but there are many routes to Christianity, which I am assuming that you talk about in your podcast all the time. Um, And Christianity is a multicultural religion, and it comes from lots of places, and it picks up lots of things along the way, and it keeps them. Um, So there are certainly significant Egyptian contributions to Christianity, you know, by actual Egyptian Christians, by Ethiopian Christians, by Nubian Christians, um, who are themselves either converts from that earlier pharaonic religion, or they're living in a world where that is also being practiced at the same time, so they're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. To suggest that there's no connection between the two is is disingenuous. We we can't say that they're completely separate, but it's also not correct that Christianity is only coming from that place or that it owes everything that it has to that place.
2: Yeah, yeah. I definitely I I I couldn't agree with you. I I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, I think that you know christianity i mean i'm speaking as a christian not only as a scholar but also as a as a pastor and and as mm-hmm. a uh, or as i like I, li- I like to use the ethiopian word nazrawi uh as yeah. as a, a nazrawi um mm-hmm. I, uh you know i definitely would agree with you that you know uh that the bisrat <laughs> or, or christianity uh has lots of different influences egypt being one of them mm-hmm. um, but i but i also would agree with uh, and i'd love your thoughts on this as we just kind of even really just kind of play around in this question a little bit like um for me, the idea of the idea of a religion being a copy of another religion—it um, just doesn't seem to me the way that the ancient world really saw things. Uh, and it, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it really seems like kind of a, a modern—you know what I mean? Like kind of a, a modern imposition. I, I guess maybe two things is like you know, number one, just that way of seeing things is not how ancient people approached religion. But okay. then also the implication. That's made in the black community when, when it's attempted to be proven. And there's all we'll get into this in this episode. There's all these <laughs> alleged you know, similarities between Christianity and, and pharaonic religion. And, and you know, sometimes half or 75% of them aren't even accurate. But let's just say they were. Like, let's just say all of them were. Um, I guess you know there's a there's a there's this false claim that it's a copy, which to me feels like a modern way of approaching religion um, and not the way that people did. But then the second part is there's an implication that. That if it were some kind, somehow like copying or borrowing, that that somehow kind of um, like illegitimates it, or that that somehow, is a, right. and that to me also seems like uh, a very modern way of of looking at ancient religion. It seems to me that the ancient world. That not only not only are there similarities we could point to, as you said, to be disingenuous not to. There are similarities we could point to between Egyptian religion and Christianity, but there's also re- similarities we could point to between Egyptian and Sumerian religion, or right. Egyptian and and Greek religion, and Christianity and Islam. And like every, you could point to similarities in almost every religion, but to do that is isn't doesn't mean that that they're copying each other, um, and also that that doesn't somehow like kind of remove legitimacy from that religion's teaching. You uh, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And
1: I'm gonna get controversial right from the start. And I'm gonna say that that tendency to try to you know, say that something is new and improved. And then also at the same time to say that the old thing is is also somehow venerable and therefore being able to connect yourself to it or say, oh, well, that's just a cheap copy of this. Um, that owes more to capitalism and to colonialism than it does at all to religion or the way that humans work. It's it's something that's mm. come about. It's something that's come about in our societies, and actually, it really troubles me when it happens mm. with the Black community, because it says mm. that the Black community is in, is internalizing that colonialist stuff that says that earlier things can't be good, you know, that they always have to be improved on, or conversely, that later things can't be good because they're just cheap copies of better previous things. There's there's a tendency to kind of accelerate that and make judgments about things based on their age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we do that about people too you know we assume certain things about young people and old people and so you know it's kind of an extension of that but it but you're right it's not something we don't see ancient people we don't see early christians we don't see early people who are practicing the pharaonic religion doing that they're not having that kind of comparison with each other for them it's like if they see another group that has something in common they think that's really neat and they're just like oh well that just kind of proves that we're all we have something in common, you know? <laughs> it's like they're, they're celebrating their commonality as opposed to focusing on how they're different or how they're better than each other in a lot of ways. I mean, not to say that they don't do that. Certainly there are, you know, the ancients were not at all, you know, incapable of being proud of themselves and putting other people down. Um, mm-hmm. but, but the desire to compartmentalize things like religion and, and pass mm-hmm. value them on the whole. Mm-hmm. The entire religion is, is inadequate because it's a copy of a previous thing. And th- I don't think they would have done that. And, and I don't think we have any evidence that they're doing that.
2: hmm. hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, like, what are you know, um, I mean, I, I think of like, uh, you know, uh, I wonder what are some examples of like how uh you know again I, I think this word copy i mean i think you make some great points about capitalism i use the i use the word kind of i isolated it to modernity or kind of a modern concept but i think you have a great point about it mm-hmm. there being an extension of capitalism and and again it just doesn't seem like that's a way that christians or you know other uh you know other folks um thought about uh yeah about similarities i don't even want to use the word copy because that has a that has a negative you know connotation to it but there's similarities and in influences um, sure. you know, and 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 I mean, uh, you know, I think that um, you know, I think about the Apostle Paul, who quotes Greek philosophers in the New Testament, right. and then draws parallels to things that they were saying and the claims of Christianity. It, you know, right. is he copying? Uh, no. epim- or is he copying these people? No, he's just, he's saying, look, there's a touch point here. There's a connection. Uh, and from his perspective and from mine, <laughs> Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all of these things. Um, but, you know, wh- whether or not someone believes that or not, again, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's it's not this idea of, of copy. And so I wonder um, what are, what would be some examples, you know, for our listeners who maybe, like myself, who aren't like specialists in, like as you are uh, in pharaonic Egypt, Egypt, like what would be some examples um, of some like, ways in which egyptian religion the indigenous practices were themselves influenced uh by other religions um you know i think of things i don't know like i think of things like you know the presence of other peoples like the the hyksos or the the Ptolemies or uh or right. even even before that like um but i just um yeah i wonder what's and the reason i ask this is because um you know we're, we're kind of talking about this whole idea of copying but also um a lot of times, you know, in our community, when you have people who are, you know, Kemetic or, or Hotep or, um, you know, part of these different religions that are making this claim that Christianity is a copy of Egyptian religion. And then therefore it's, you know, it's it's invalid. Um, they seem to be arguing from this. Uh, the other side of that coin seems to be that they seem to think that Egyptian religion was somehow this pure unadulterated, uninfluenced, kind of, uh, you know, it's the first religion, like it's before everything else. So not just Christianity, but they was something say everything's copying off of Egypt. You know, the Babylonians, the Persians, the the Greek, the Muslim, everybody's copying off of Egypt. And, and so I guess, you know, I think that, maybe if we could elevate some examples of how, yes, Egypt influenced its neighbors, but also it itself was influenced, you know, and maybe some examples of what that looked like, it could help to maybe, you know, like maybe nuance that perspective a little bit.
1: Sure. Um- well, first of all, we're just, one of the things that we don't think about when we think about either of these traditions is, is how old they are. And, okay, you know we, know, we know exactly how old Christianity is, if only because we date our dates from Jesus. So, so Christianity is roughly 2,000 years old, right? So Egyptian religion, you know, that pharaonic religion, that polytheism that exists in Egypt previous to Christianity is at least twice as old if not three times as so. old. So that's so that's already mind-boggling. It's like mm-hmm. Cleopatra, who is somebody that everybody talks about, is closer to Jesus, literally, within a hundred years, than she is to the beginning of the culture that she was queen for. By quite a bit, by almost mm-hmm. by almost triple. It's the age of this Pharaonic tradition is is hard it's hard to wrap your head around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then if you sit and you think about that and you think about, you know, okay, we know Christianity is about 2000 years old, how is current Christianity different from the original Christianity that was started, you know, where it started, where it's at now, how is that different? How has that developed? How has that changed? I don't think anyone would suggest that it hasn't. but okay, so that's 2,000 years. If you take this other tradition and you double that, you make it 4,000 years, or you make it 5,500 years, or you make it 6,000 years, or you take it back to when we first start seeing the symbolism, which is 12,000 years in the Neolithic. So that's six times longer. The idea that that is an unchanging tradition that has been the exact same for those whole 12,000 years is ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And we can't really even talk about it as a single tradition. Mm. Kind of. I, mean, I also don't. I am of the opinion that you also can't talk about one Christianity. There are Christianities. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are cultural traditions. There are tem- there are traditions that come up at certain times and then they go away at other times, or they develop into something else. There are multiple Christianities. They all come from the same. They're, they're all basically branches of the same tree. But there are multiple Christianities, and then I would also say that there are multiple comedic traditions. There are there are Egyptian religions, plural. And they change over time. At the same time, something that they all keep in common, and this is probably part of why people get that idea that it stays the same, is that it, as a moral value, as a practitioner value, it says that the closer that you can keep it to the way that your ancestors gave it to you, the better. There, there is a there is a very conservative tradition, especially in the temples, to use rituals that came from earlier times. You know they copied them. You know when when the papyrus breaks down, then they copy it onto something else, and they keep they keep using the same things. They don't they don't value innovation. More of a value of you know this was given to us in a certain way, and it's our responsibility to to um, perpetuate it. But then. At the same time, this is a polytheism. This is a this is a tradition that believes in lots of gods, none of which cancel the others out, none of which are expected to be worshiped above all the others. That's, that's not something, I mean, there are regional gods. You know, if you live in a certain city, there are certain gods that are gonna be more important to you than others, but that doesn't mean that other gods don't exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because of that, because of the recognition that you have, you know, gods of your town, gods of your family, gods of your country, gods of nature, gods of the earth, you know, gods of all kinds of things, it tends to add on rather than subtract. Mm. So over time, you know, Egypt is Egypt is an empire. Egypt takes over their neighbors. They take over Nubia in the Middle Kingdom. And what happens to the Nubian gods? They become part of the Egyptian pantheon. You know, mm. Okay, now they're our gods too, because these are our people, therefore these are our gods. Mm. They mm-hmm. take over parts of the Levant, they take over Canaan, they take over parts of Syria, they take over parts of what's now Israel. Those gods get incorporated. Mm -hmm. They generally stay where they came from. I mean, uh, only a couple of Nubian gods actually get worshipped outside Nubia, but they Mm -hmm. become part of the general tradition. And so everybody's familiar with them. So there's this continual addition. If you believe in lots of gods, there are always more. Mm -hmm. So as the religion goes on, it does get bigger and it does pick up more traditions and it picks up more people because Egypt does. You know, when it's earlier and when it's more xenophobic, when they're just sort of in the Nile Valley and they're not messing with their neighbors at all, it doesn't happen as much. But especially after the New Kingdom, you like, you mentioned the Hyksos. After the Hyksos, um, with the introduction of the chariot and the introduction of like imperial warfare and colonization, and the Egyptians were doing this. They were taking over other countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They were bringing home those people. You know, both as prisoners of war, and sometimes, as uh, in particular with people in the Levant, the people we call the Sea People, they hired them as navy. They hired them as, as mercenaries. These people are moving to Egypt. They're mar- they're intermarrying. They're staying in Egypt. They're becoming part of Egyptian culture, and so their religion and their religious practices also come in to a certain degree. You know whether or not they're formally adopted, like on a cult level. You know, they, like um, like I said, some of the Nubian deities did not get worshipped across Egypt mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. all recognized as gods they're all um, there are multiple um, religious texts that talk about respecting gods where you are. And if you go travel somewhere and they have different gods then you need to be nice to their gods.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I personally believe that that's part of why Christianity catches on so fast in Egypt compared to other places. Um, because Egypt does not have any kind of idea that says that more gods isn't okay. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, here, here's another god. This god's kind of cool. We like him. you know. And and particularly in, in Egypt at the time that Christianity comes in, it's being colonized by Rome. And that's, a, that's not a very comfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Egyptian, culturally and part of the pharaonic religion, they believe that heaven's going to be in a continuation of the current life. Well, if the current life isn't so great, and then your neighbor who's a Christian tells you, hey, you know, we believe in an afterlife where there aren't any Romans and there isn't any tax and there's none of this terrible stuff, of course you're gonna convert. You know, it, it's, mm. it, it makes sense, there's there's no there's no betrayal there. There's, there's nothing in the Egyptian mindset that says that's not an okay thing to do. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or a relationship with your God. So you know, the Egyptians really pick up Christianity. They think it's very good and then they pick it up and then they also start sharing it with their neighbors.
2: Mm. That's so helpful. That's <laughs> Well, help for Dr. Suda because, yeah, I mean, uh, and you probably know this too, but um, I mean, it, it, you know, I think that it's really helpful to point out, you know, certainly in the Ptolemaic and Roman period, there's <laughs> all kinds the of blending and influences, um, and even the Hyksos, but that's usually acknowledged by many people in the Black community that are that are some form of comedic, uh practitioners, but usually that's often you know kind of still dismissed because there's still a belief that, but before the foreign influences, you know, so there's still kind of this like mentality of like. There's, there's this foreign pollution or this kind of foreign uh, infiltration in Egypt that's diluting the purity. So I think it's just really right. helpful that you're pointing out that even before Nubia conquered Egypt or before the Hyksos did or before the Ptolemies did, there was already interchange and there was already conversation and, and religious adoption, even through Egypt's own conquest, that they right. willfully, it wasn't like they were being forced they, they willfully sometimes did. incorporated uh, Canaanite or other other deities into their because there was no sense. I mean, if I'm understanding you right, there's yeah, there's no sense of, and this is maybe I, where I would say Christianity uh, is very distinct, actually, from from Egyptian religions. That there's no dis, there's no sense of like um, I have to worship or pray to this God only uh, and right. no other God. Um, whereas for Christians, you know, Egyptian or or otherwise, there's <laughs> the, like, no, we only worship Jesus. We so only worship Jesus, we, right? We refuse to worship anybody else, and right. so um, yeah, and and that's I think that's just really. Um, I think that's really helpful. I, I think another question that we we should probably dig into even more specifically, because I think we're we're helping some helping in some broad conceptual ways. Uh, again, just how people should really think about uh, Egyptian religion and and, and antiquity. Um, maybe you know now maybe we could drill down in some more specifics about Horus and Jesus, right? Because that's the that's where a lot of the conversation happens. Uh, is basically again, there's this you know. And I'll just rattle off some of them. Like you can see this in YouTube videos and websites. And uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's uh, a shocker that none of this is usually published in like actual serious scholarship, but nonetheless, it's extremely uh, prominent in our community. And so there's this whole thing that the Christian gospel story was just completely plagiarized uh, from Egyptian religion. Um, you know, Jesus uh, was born of he was he's the son of God, just like Horace is. He was born of. a And I'm, I'm not saying these things are actually true similarities. I'm saying that these these are these are the myth, the, the so-called similarities that are put out there that, you know, Mary was a virgin and ISIS was a virgin um, and. Uh, jesus was born in a manger and Horace was born in a manger and that uh Jesus was baptized and Horus was baptized and uh and that Jesus was um crucified and Horus was crucified on the cross and that jesus rose again and Horus rose again and uh you know Jesus is the son of God and so there's an attempt to connect that with you know Horus being connected to the sun son to say nothing of the fact that these are english words and do not correlate at all to right. just, uh, other words. So, but these are just some of the, the but this is extremely popular. Um, this, 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 this mythology and this, um, this theory. And so, um, yeah, I just, I wonder if we could just kind of talk about that a little bit and what do we make of this idea that, yeah, that specifically G, the story of Jesus is copied from the story of Horus.
1: So it's interesting to me that the, the God. So we have a situation where there's an Egyptian God who gets compared to Jesus earlier. Like a hundred years ago, and it's not Horus; it's Osiris, Horus's father,
2: mm-hmm. because he
1: because this is a god who dies, because he's considered to be a god of resurrection, because he's considered to be the judge of the dead and the king of the dead. So very very early, Egyptologists latch onto this and you're like, oh, you know he's, he's a dead God, he's a resurrection God, he, he's like Jesus. And for a long time that's what you read in the literature that, that Osiris is a Jesus-like God or he is actually some sort of prototype of Jesus. you, you read both things, um, neither of which are, are supported in a lot of ways, you know other than the fact that I already mentioned that this religion is much, much, much older. Um, but you read that and then recently and and this is very recently, this is probably in the last 20 years. We've had this shift to identifying Jesus with Horus. I think it has to do mostly, like on YouTube and things like that, most recently, I I went down the rabbit hole. I tried to figure out where it's coming from. And a lot of it's coming from a film. There was a a movie called Zeitgeist that talked about a whole bunch of symbolism and how how these various symbols are proof of other things. Um, It has a very white, very new age kind of background to it. And they make a really good case about that. And, and it seems like some people latched onto that and then you know because they had other agendas trying to compare the religions that was a that was a really good thing to look at and say, oh well, you know Jesus isn't even original he's just this copy of this other god um But the, the fit the even trying to fit the two gods together is not as good of a fit. you know Cyrus is actually dead you know he died he, and mm-hmm. in fact in fact he was murdered he didn't just die. And so there, so there is a place where they have that in common, but Osiris does not necessarily die for a salvation. He, mm-hmm. he, the story is that the, that people are dying, you know, death has come into the world and people are dying, and the dead don't have any gods. The, because all of the gods are living, the dead are all alone mm-hmm. in the place where they are. And so Osiris takes pity on them and he wants to be with them. But it also turns out, according to the rules of the universe, that gods can't die. So nobody knows how to fix this. And then it turns out, and then you know, it goes a little bit further, Osiris' younger brother, Set, who is the embodiment of strength and also of challenge and like boundaries. He's a trickster god. He he, he challenges the, the rules of the universe. And so he's a very, very strong god. And in fact, is strong enough to kill gods. So Osiris and Set make an agreement and Set murders him. In order that he can die, in order to, that can be he can be part of the, the world of the dead. You know, so this idea of compassion for humans is is certainly similar, mm-hmm. um, and the idea that you know he goes to the land of the dead to be with the dead mm-hmm. is similar. Um, but other than that, no, no, Osiris never embodies as a human. There is there is a myth that says that he does, but it's very late and it's not actually Egyptian. It's a, it's a good mm-hmm. myth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He doesn't. So he's not a human. He's not born of a virgin. He doesn't. He doesn't do any of this. You know, there's there's no salvation story there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's very different. And then Horus is is totally different. You know, Mm -hmm. he is a child who's born to you know his mother after his father is dead, and his his entire story is one of vengeance. That you know he needs to. Even though Osiris agreed to become dead, um, there has still been a violation of the morals of the universe because God's can't die you know set did something very wrong and therefore there's punishment that has to happen so it's two things you know horus needs to make sure that that sin of murder has been punished and also set needs to challenge the child horus to make sure that he is good enough to be king and to take his father's place so mm-hmm. his job is also to be the challenger and the, and the and the loyal opposition so they're both fulfilling their roles when we read the mythologies of the two of them fighting again that's not at all like Jesus Jesus doesn't fight anybody to be the to be the king of of anything, you know, Jesus doesn't have an older brother who challenges him, or an old, mm-hmm. or an old. Um, he's not. He's not incarnate on the earth in order to do any sort of vengeance. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite; he's there to to fix problems and to seal things and to and to give salvation to people. Horus is called a savior. Absolutely, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, one of his titles is uh, Harinotis or Haranajitef, means savior of his father, but that's it. He's the savior of his father. He's not the savior. Of, he's not the savior of sin. He, mm-hmm. he is, is specifically doing something to redeem the the, the evil that was done to mm-hmm. his own. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. But like I said earlier in the conversation, you know, it's, you can say no, but there are also these weird little nuances that complicate it. Um, ISIS is not a virgin, in mm-hmm. the sense, you know, in, in in the sense that we think of it modernly. But then, of course, mm-hmm. Virgin Mary might not have been either. You know, the word that we translate "virgin" is not necessarily someone who's never had sex. It's it's someone who is in charge of their own life. You know, a woman who does not have to answer to a man is a parthenos. Um, so you know that's that's kind of a um they both get called by that title you know it has a slightly different meaning in antiquity um isis is being called mother of god thousands and thousands of years before jesus is or i'm sorry before mary is before mm-hmm. jesus in the being you know b- before that before the christianity even happens she has this this place where she's being called mother of god and she has imagery. There's, there's lots of iconography, beautiful iconography, beautiful statues, mm-hmm. paintings of Isis with the baby Horus on her lap. Um, sometimes she's breastfeeding him something, he's just sitting on her lap. This imagery is very influential among earlier mm-hmm. Christians. You know, they, mm-hmm. see this image and they think certain things. And so, you know, when they come into their new religion and they understand the story of the Virgin Mary, that image comes back to them. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing Isis in it. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I I think they're just seeing the idea, the idea that they're already familiar with. I also think that there's probably direct, literal direct transmission of that ISIS imagery into the Mary imagery because of something interesting that happened um, at the temple of Philae, which is in the south of Egypt um, at Aswan. So on the Nubian border, there's a temple of ISIS, um, which also has a church in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I take people to Egypt. We do tours, and mm-hmm. it's always interesting when you take them into the first part of this temple. When you go into the first room of this temple, literally half of the first room, the images of the Pharaonic gods have been crossed out and you know, kind of scratched out, or they're covered up with other writings or other things. And there's a there's a Christian altar, and there's a, a niche in the wall where the host was kept, and, and it's it's clearly Christian. Mm-hmm but only in half of the room. And it's exactly half. It's literally like the room got split in half. That one mm-hmm. side of the room is Christian and one side of the room is not. One side of the room has Jesus and Mary images. One side of the room is all Isis and her family.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's real curious. And, you know, people come in and, and even tour guides will say, oh, well, you know, this is just proof that the evil Christians came in and destroyed all of the, or the pharaonic things. Or conversely, this is just proof that the Christians came in and cleaned up all of these evil pagan images. You know, depending on their own agenda, they they characterize mm-hmm. that. Ways. Mm-hmm. But what really happened, and the fact that it's half and half—you know—if you were—if you were either destroying something or improving something, you wouldn't do half of it and stop.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
1: what happened, and we have—we actually have proof of this: the priests of Isis, who ran the temple, who were half Nubians and half Egyptians. Um, by the time that Christianity comes to us, one most of the practitioners of the ISIS religion are still Nubians. The Egyptians pretty much all become Christian pretty quickly because there are a bunch of monasteries in the area. So it's something that happens pretty fast. But the ISIS worshipers are still coming to this temple for holy days. And, and it's very—it's a very holy place for them, a very sacred place for them. So what happens is the priests of ISIS and the, and the local Christian priests make a compromise. And the priests of ISIS let the Christian priests have half the room.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they... Worship alongside each other, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like now, where one church doesn't have a building, and so another church lets them have a space. It's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing, and they do this. They do this for five hundred years. Wow! Not like they did it for a week or you know until they built a new building. They literally were worshiping right alongside each other from mm-hmm. the of Christianity until Theodosius shuts that temple down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Theodosius shuts the temple mostly for political reasons because he's worried about the number of Nubians who all come up. You know, mm-hmm. large Danubians of thousands and thousands of them are coming up for these big ISIS festivals and he's getting very nervous about his southern border. And so it's it's not, you know, they they count it as a religious decision. Well now we're not gonna have any more temples to the pagans, that's that's a thing. But it's also a political decision because mm-hmm. the temple closes the Nubians don't come anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to come anymore. It didn't quite work out that way. They kept coming. <laughs> Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, uh, as the most recent year I was there, which was 2011, there are still Nubians coming up to worship ISIS at that temple. It's still happening. Very, very wow. quiet, but it is still happening. Uh, but in any case, wow. so when people talk about you know, the connections between these two traditions and, and the interface between them and how they might influence each other, that's a real obvious place where that's happening. Mm You have an image of Isis on one wall, and six feet over here, you have an image of Mary on the other wall, and they're almost the same. There are similar things going on there, but similarity doesn't mean sameness.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Humans
1: have things in common. There are lots and lots and lots of religions that talk about mother gods Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. have child gods. That's Mm -hmm. not an uncommon thing. It doesn't mean they all come from the same root. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, they all come from the same root in the sense that we're all humans and we all think motherhood is important.
2: Mhm mhm yeah. but does not
1: it isn't it doesn't make them the same.
2: Mhm that's no I uh, wow that's just I just I have to just highlight some of the <laughs> amazing things you just laid down cuz I think that is so that's just such all of that is just such helpful information. Um I mean you know number one like the sources themselves uh show us I mean if we look at the Bible and and early post biblical Christian literature and then if we look at pyramid texts and pharaonic texts and you know uh material from egypt we see these communities speaking for themselves showing us that they are not the same that mm-hmm. I, I remember you actually in our in our discussion before this podcast you even uh, made, made a comparison i thought was funny but but true said that the story of horus actually has more in common with the lion king than it does Jesus in the gospels and the and the story you just laid out, uh, you know, proves that it demonstrates that. Um, and of course, there were similarities. Um, but but I mean, you know, I, and I just want to say something about that as a not only as a as a you know scholar of Egyptian Christianity, but also as a pastor and as a Christian. Um, is that you know, like um, I think that I mean, you know, there's a degree to which every religion um, incorporates and excludes. Uh, to certain degrees, you know, in different ways um and and you know for 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 me as a Christian um for me the 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 boundary of exclusion is the is the bisrat. the name of this uh, podcast is the bisro is the gospel message it is uh-huh. it is receiving grace by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ that Jesus is, um, he is he is god he is he's fully human but he is also god he's not one of many gods but but that the father son and holy spirit are one god and the creator of all things and that there are no other gods except for him and 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 uh, and that by his crucifixion and resurrection and by faith in that we are saved from sin so exactly as you said that's a completely different agenda right. than horus or than what um, you know, Marduk or, or Halos right. or, or anybody else has. And In fact, I would personally say that the agenda, so to speak, of Jesus is probably more unique, actually, maybe even more different than, and there would probably be more comparisons between maybe the agenda of Horus and maybe other gods and god families in like Babylonian or Sumerian or or Greek mythology or stories, where oftentimes it more has to do with, as you said, kind of like um, you know leadership of a certain realm of existence or leadership of a nation uh and and even kind of the way that those gods fall into that um and and certainly often preservation of the dead um but but there's really no concept like the christian concept of the curse of sin um and and the inability of humans by any good deeds to overcome that and the need for the the only god to come in and and the idea of like being a ransom or being a kind of a, a being, as you said earlier, like dying on the cross to take on the sins of humanity, that's not only very distinct from Horus, it's not only very distinct from Egyptian gods and goddesses, it's also very distinct from most other ancient religions uh, in in the ancient world, who actually, I would say, are actually more similar to each other. Um, and, and even the exclusivity that Christians like myself and others have about you know, that being the kind of the boundary. And so we don't go outside of that. Um is also different because, you know, there, you know, there, there might've been degrees of exclusivity with Egyptian or Nubian or, or Sumerian or Babylonian religion, but there was also a high degree of inclusivity. Like, yeah, we can, uh, we can pray to your God and pray to that God yeah. too. We can, you know, pray to ISIS and Serapis at the same temple and, and it's all good. And that's something that Christians just do not do. And like I and that that we don't do and that that's also kind of a a, a distinction and but that that um and that that example you gave of the phylai temple i think is just such a powerful and visual um depiction that that really rebuts a lot of these common ideas um, that I think I think of two things that it rebuts is number one that Christianity was a copy of Egyptian religion um, because that shows us right there that these religions were certainly influencing each other and were certainly in communication and were neighbors. But they also even by the fact that there was that half that there's right. also very distinct very there's distinct. a lot and right. saying we do, you're doing this and we're doing that um, and so uh, but also I think it it also um, helps to you know also clarify. Uh, the reality that, uh, and, I, and we see the same thing happening in Ethiopia. We see the same thing happening in Nubia. I mean, I know today we're talking about Egypt and I want to get off on a tangent, but in the same way, I mean, you hear stories of Tekla Hymenon going into, you know, uh, the pagans, so to speak, or the practitioners of traditional religion in the Axum area. And, and again, calling them away from that. And there's a clear kind of Christian quote unquote pagan or traditional religious practitioner distinction, same thing in Nubia. And so um, and so, um, you know, I think one point that's also interesting to bring out that a lot of people in the comedic community will say is that uh, when you have this destruction and this violence, like things from Theodosius or you know uh, the riot in Alexandria in the mid four hundreds, and you see this traditional religion uh, and Christian violence, there's often this uh, assumption that well, that all came from the Roman Empire, and and you know it was it was just kind of imposed. But but um, but actually, a lot of times some of that violence, that Christian violence, uh, visited upon. Practitioners of Christian religion were done by African Christians, like Egyptian, Nubian, Ethiopia. It wasn't like they needed a Roman Empire to have them do that. They were doing it, and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that's a good thing. In fact, I would say that's a bad thing. Um, you but but it also dispels the myth that 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 Christianity only came. And actually, I I, I was wondering if we could go there next. Um, you know, for one of our, and I'm I'm kind of already answering it, uh, but I'd love your thoughts on it as well because another big um belief. In, in the black community and really a lot of communities um, around the world and especially in the Comedic community is that Christianity is a white man's religion, right? That, that Christianity comes from the white man. And in this case, uh, I mean, certainly we can look at uh, I mean, we, you know, we can look at, uh, you know, kind of the the, the white evangelical support of, of Trump uh, in our time, or we can look at uh, white evangelical support of slavery or segregation, uh, land violation rights of indigenous peoples, and we can go into slavery and colonialism. Uh, go, we can go all the way back to the Crusades. But, you know, going back in antiquity, for most people, the imagination of this starts with Constantine. And that that you know, but the idea is that Christianity started with Constantine. And and that it started by the Roman Empire, and it was just a vehicle from the beginning. It was a vehicle of of oppression, of Roman colonization, and that before that, before Constantine, before he called the Council of Nicaea, there was no Christians that believed Jesus was God. There was no, uh, you know, and it all came from the Greco Roman world, and then it was imposed upon, you know, African people and other non European peoples. This is the this is the the idea. but but I think you know again a lot of this evidence we're seeing from Christians in Egypt, uh, which was part of the Roman Empire to be sure. But even from independent you know nations like Nubia and Ethiopia or India or the Persian Empire, uh, to me clearly uh, rebuts the idea that Christianity is a is a white man's religion or in this context that it that it's an extension of the Roman Greco Roman Empire, um, but that it was you know something that started in Palestine, um, and, and, you know, started primarily with Hebrews, but then in Acts 2, very quickly went in every direction. <laughs> it went and included Romans, uh, it inc- but it also included a Nubian in Acts 8, <laughs> and it also included Persians, uh, you know, uh, and, it, and, 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 you know, so many, and in, at least by the third century, it included Indians in the subcontinent. And so, uh, and this is all way before Nicaea, way before Constantine, but, um, I mean, so anyway, I, I would just love any other, just, yeah, any thoughts you have on that about how we should, um, you know, especially thinking about it in a committed context, like how many, how we should think about this concept of, you know, that Christianity is a is a white man's religion, and just your, you know, your thoughts on that.
1: I really find that distressing, honestly. You know, mm. that, that that the black community would accept that uncritically, because it it basically lets the white people win, it lets the white supremacy win, it rewrites the history of Christianity to be something that only picked up values in the last 300 years. It's, it's, it really bothers me. Um, the reason, you know, you talked about that the people will define Christianity as starting with Constantine. Well, the reason that they do that is because they've decided that Constantine is white because Constantine represents civilization in the Roman empire and, you know, the official government religion. Um, yes, absolutely, Constantine is the person who is pretty much responsible for Christianity becoming what it is now, which is a global religion. One wonders how far it would have gotten if that, if the Roman Empire had gone in a different direction and had not decided to adopt Christianity as an official faith. Um, I mean, previous to that, there were periods of time where they were killing Christians, lots and lots and lots of them, and they had decided that Christian, Christianity was a, was a danger to the state. Um, when Christianity becomes the state, everything changes. That's absolutely true. Um, but the modern understanding of whiteness and the definition of things as belonging to white people or not belonging to white people is only several hundred years old. That's, that's coming out of the 1600s. It's coming out of the 17th century idea of like scientific racism. The whole reason that that happens is because people who are engaging in slavery of people coming from Africa, a number of whom are actually Christians because Christianity was already in Africa and had been there since the beginning. They need to be able to morally justify what they're doing. And so they have to figure out a way to make these people not people. And so there's this very tortured sort of you know well only these people are actually human and everybody else isn't and and you know they're primitive and they don't know what they're doing and they need to be saved and they need to be given you know and and not only does it become we need to impose our culture on them we need to impose our religion on them and so then yes there is absolutely a a white supremacist christianity that is behind this and there is a white supremacist christianity that exists or maybe multiple again maybe multiple ones i don't even know Mm -hmm. something i study but it's something i notice um there are certainly christianities that are white men's religions Mm -hmm. but i don't think christianity as a whole is and i don't think it has to be and and i would argue that the historical jesus and the people who founded that religion would be horrified Mm -hmm. at the idea that that christianity belonged to any one group of people and that everybody else was you know not not good enough to have it because that, that totally runs against the point. Christianity's whole entire approach in the beginning was that this is a religion of salvation for everyone and everyone is welcome. That's why the Roman state was scared of it. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like the rest of their I mean they they had a bunch of little savior cults going on. You know, mm-hmm. you could you could join a secret group and you could get the special dispensation of a various, you know, very state like Dionysus. Isis actually becomes that in Rome. You know her her worship from Egypt changes into a salvific like a club, basically. You join a club, you become a follower of ISIS, you get ISIS's protection. This is the thing. Christianity is different from this. Christianity says, no, we're not gonna be exclusive. Everybody can be a Christian if they want to be. All they have to do is believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it it doesn't have any limits. It can get as big as it needs to get, which makes sense because it teaches that it is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's nothing in what Christianity does that doesn't make sense according to its message until you get to a point where you start declaring that Christianity is only for this group of people or only for that group of people, or only this way. It's Mm -hmm. not.
2: Yeah, that's such a great point. It really, there's so, again, so many great points. And it connects with actually another, uh, we had uh, uh, Dr. Katherine Gerbner on this podcast as well. And, you know, she makes a great point uh, going into the like 17th and 18th centuries of, you know, know, European, so-called, I call it so-called Christian, because uh, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't call slave men human stealers Christians um, myself. But, uh, exactly. but uh, yeah, you know, uh, so-called Christian slavery, um, and uh, it was so fascinating to see that there was actually these examples, especially you know early on. Um, where actually the Europeans in the Caribbean and, and North America were trying to stop Black people from becoming Christians because they actually I, knew that if they read the Bible yeah. they would understand that oh this thing says I, I can be free and so like oh, this my, thing says I'm supposed uh, to be free exactly I'm supposed to be. yeah and it's, yeah. it's not so sort the of 19th century like antebellum, that you start to see this kind of argument mm-hmm. oh Christianity is good for the slaves it keeps them you know mm-hmm. civilized and so we need to impose it upon them but but actually for you know almost three centuries before that it's actually an attempt to like you know and and uh, there's this fascinating evidence of Christians. Of, of African slaves in the Americas who are Christians nonetheless and are actually petitioning for their freedom and petitioning for their right to celebrate um you know the Christian sacraments. And, and another great point you made that connects that I could not agree with more is that the the I mean the Bible itself um refers to uh i mean it, it clearly teaches exactly what you're saying that that christianity is not associated with any one religion and and if anything um i just had uh, actually a friend of mine who's a new testament scholar the other day say this uh that that is that is perhaps maybe one of the single greatest agendas of the entire new testament i mean if you mm-hmm. look at the new Testament, the 27 books of the new testament over and over that is what the writers of the new testament are just so obsessed with of, of with with uh, communicating and just deeply concerned with is communicating the idea that was, that was popular in the in the earliest years of Christianity that, oh, this is a Jewish thing. And this is for for Hebrew people only. No, and Paul and out. Peter and James and all of the early apostles are drilling it into their church. No, it is not just for Hebrews. And you better get used to having these Gentiles worshiping right next to you. The people that, Acts 10, the people that we thought were unclean, actually, they've been brought in to the household of God, exactly like you said, um, you know, it's for all people. And the other thing that I think you know, if we could just maybe, um, you know, cover maybe two more quick questions. Um, the other thing that I think you said is that exactly right, that Jesus, uh, not would be, <laughs> uh, because Jesus is alive, I believe, and, um, and, and, and Jesus is horrified. Uh, at the, at the idea and that, and yes, the apostles and the early church. I'm
1: trying would, not to speak for him, which is why I said that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's good. Cool. Like, <laughs> but I but think we, you're right, I do. Yeah, I mean, in yeah, the early church would, <laughs> I, I completely agree, the early church would be horrified because again, that's what they fought to make clear in Acts 10 and Acts 15. This is for everyone. It's not associated with one culture. And it actually, it's even in our theology to to incorporate to a degree. There's a degree to which we can incorporate. I mean, John calls Jesus the logos. That's not a Hebrew concept. That's not a, that's a, that's a Hellenistic concept. So there's a degree of incorporation because we believe that, that, that God's Presence and image is upon every human being, and that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to all cultures. So there are things in Egyptian culture that are in agreement with with biblical teaching, and and yes. and I mean a lot of the early Egyptian Christians use anks as crosses. It, you know, there's there's, a, there's an agreement there, um, and certainly there's degrees to which we have you know that, that the early Egyptian Christians rejected a lot of what they did. You know, you read of Bacomius, uh, you know, kind of speaking against uh, you know some of the Egyptian practices and all that. But um, but there but that's that's the situation that we uh, according to our theology find ourselves in now that there that there should not be just one or another there shouldn't be a rejection of of our culture and our ancestry before we heard the gospel um, but there also shouldn't be a wholesale rejection or demonization of it but it's a both and process because uh, we believe our cultures themselves are redeemed through Jesus um, and so. And, and and I mean, and the, the problem, though, is that and the, the other thing, too, I mean, you, we were talking about white supremacy in Christianity and white supremacists. Uh, I don't even want to call it Christianity, but white supremacist Christendom. Maybe we could say um, is that there's a hypocrisy to it as well, because there's a demonization of of African spirituality, of indigenous spirituality. Um, and, and again, there's some things about African spirituality that as a believer, I don't agree with. But um, but but there are a lot of things that are good. I, I think actually God's image is in it. Um, And on the flip side, there's all sorts of European pagan imagery in in dominant Christianity, and that just (laughs) unquestioned, like Easter and, and, you know, Christmas trees, and there's all kinds of things that come from European uh, so-called pagan or traditional religion. And we have no problem uh doing that. But I mean, you know, if we if we instead of calling the resurrection Sunday, we call it Easter. We call it by an Anglo Saxon goddess. We could just as easily call it Horus. <laughs> or we okay. could call it we could call it Aludare. Or, you know, we we could we could call it a voodoo god. And like that would be same thing as calling it Easter, but everybody be like, no, 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 you can't do that. I'm like, well, then why can't you call it yeah, Easter? And so <laughs> Yeah, but there's a but there's a there's a flexibility to it to a degree, um, you know, that has to be critically and, and done uh, for us it has to be done according to scripture and the and the bisrat and, and the Holy Spirit. But but again, I just I, I just couldn't agree with you more that that yeah that that the early church would be horrified at the state of thing that, that things have gotten to um, and so I in li- in in line with that, um, I, I wonder uh, you know if we, you know what 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 do you think um, what, what how would you feel that like um, specifically an early Egyptian Christian <laughs> uh, you know or and an early Egyptian practitioner of traditional religion uh, that how, how, how would you like how do you think that they would, Answer this: the claims of modern comedic, you know, people saying Christianity is, you know, it's a copy of Egyptian religion, it's a copy of Horus, and therefore it's it's illegitimate. Like, how do you? I mean, of course, we can't know, you know, how, you know, but but just you know, how do you think, based on your scholarship and uh, you know, what do you think they would say if they were in this conversation and seeing these YouTube videos? Like, how, how do you think they would respond to that?
1: I think we actually can know how at least a few of them felt about it because because mm. some of the- about it and someone talked about it at length mm-hmm. uh, there, there is a lot of theological argument about origin and how much paganism influenced him or didn't and whether that was a good or bad thing um, and clearly if if there's a controversy about that then there must be a difference between the things you know, if, you, if you don't think of this pre-christian tradition as different from what you're doing you wouldn't have a problem with him having thoughts about it or writing about it um in alexandria the uh, the riots that you mentioned uh, temp- pagan temples get destroyed by groups of monks and you know and then groups of monks get attacked in return by practitioners who are upset that that happens there's there's a, a back and forth that goes on for quite some time with various acts of violence of the various of the various groups of people against each other. If it's the same thing, there doesn't that wouldn't happen. It doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shenuta, of Atripa, in the middle of Egypt. Now, this actually goes back to what I was saying earlier about the Temple of Philae. It's actually I'm glad you brought this up because I get to make the point that while yes, at the Temple of Isis at Philae they got along and they got along very well for a number of centuries, that was not always the case in all parts of Egypt, and in some parts of Egypt, actually. Christians and, and polytheists did not get along at all. And in fact, they were actually warring with each other. Schnutza mm-hmm. uh, gives a whole lot of time in his letters to talk about how he is personally going to destroy mm-hmm. the, head of the temples in the town where his monastery is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. goes out of his way. And I mean, mm-hmm. it gets really graphic about how many things that he does to this man and to this man's temples. And, mm-hmm. and he's very proud of this. You know, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. considered that you know what that man was doing was the same as what he was doing, that none of that would occur, there mm-hmm. would be no bragging, there would be no attacks. That you know none of that happens. That it's very clear to these people that there's something different. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. I would argue that most of the difference comes from the Christian side, because mm-hmm. of the idea that Christian is a, Christianity, as you mentioned earlier, is exclusive, and mm-hmm. that you only worship Jesus, that mm-hmm. you're focuses on Jesus and Jesus' message in the gospel. Um, so there's not room in Christianity for the other traditions. Whereas mm-hmm. in the Jewish tradition, if if somebody wanted to have a, an altar to Horus in their house and also an altar to Jesus in their house, that's their business. Nobody mm-hmm. care you know, because mm-hmm. they are gods and you need to do what you need to do with your gods.
2: Um, in fact, so, it, I think she, that's, she, that's the case she, with Gessius. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah, there there are points where he goes to the temple and he tries to do stuff and Shenouda totally... Blows that out of the way. He's like, no, no, no! You're so pagan. You're you're awful. And So it's there. The distinction is there, and
2: mm-hmm. the
1: distinction comes out of the Christian theology. I'm not passing a value judgment on that. I really, I really think that that is you know something that's between people and their God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's always I, been. That's not and- new.
2: <laughs> yeah. And as a Christian, I'll pass a value judgment on it. I don't, I do not, uh, I don't condone the violence that Shenouda was doing and, um, and, or any Christian. Uh, I mean, I
1: didn't, I, that wasn't when I, mean, I wasn't passing it. I'm not passing a judgment on how you decide which gods you worship or not. That's what I meant. Oh, oh I see. Yeah, <laughs> no, I also think right. that Shenouda was doing was pretty awful.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but he was convinced that it was necessary. You know, what he writes in his letters is that he thought theologically that what this man was doing was, was demons and was Satan and he was bringing other people into evil. And so it needed to be stopped. And and that, you know, that was his justification.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that actually, yeah, just that, um, I mean, I think on the one hand, you know, we can agree that, that, that the, the unfortunate violence that happened, you know, oftentimes at the hands of, at the instigation of Christians, Egyptian Christians, um, that, uh, that it, on the one hand the fact that that was there disproves this idea that it was a copy or seen as a copy in fact if anything this tension uh, and this and this distance that was there um you know oftentimes you know more pronounced by christians e- even more kind of dim, i mean just that that rampant exclusivity uh, and claim <laughs> exclusivity that could not be more different than traditional egyptian religion like there that's not you know a thing and so on the one hand that that tension um you know, refutes the ideas and the claims of a lot of committed communities that oh they were all they you know it was a copy um, and all that no 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 they were very distinct and saw themselves that way. But on the other hand, it can be a cautionary tale for those of us that are Christians and 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 all of us really um, you know the, the the negative examples of um, sometimes the the violence that happened. And so as we as we kind of bring it to a close, I guess a, a final um, and I'd like you to just maybe close us out with some final words um, about you know what what do you think. Maybe would be for today some some tips or some suggestions or hopes that you would have for how um, you know in the Black community, but also more broadly as well in the White community as well that 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 Christians and practitioners of traditional Egyptian religion. Uh, can 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 dialogue and and have conversations like this and and um you know and even disagree uh theologically or historically or whatever um but also that we can do that in a good way uh, you know just what what would be some closing thoughts you would have on on that
0: well I,
1: these things are hard to put into english i think um well first of all i don't i don't think either tradition thinks that the that, you know, the creation and the deities sprang into being after the tradition. I mean, Christianity, Christianity thinks that, you know, humans existed before Christianity, and therefore, you know, God must have created them. Um, and, and certainly the pharaonic religion also says that, you know, there was a time before time when the, the, de- the deities came together and decided to make a world because they were lonely and they wanted to have friends. Um, so there's, there's always this idea that there's something higher and older than us. Humans are not the height of things. We might, we might be the first children of the creator and we might have special responsibilities as humans towards creation, but you know, we are not the deities and, and we shouldn't be trying to be. Following from that, I think we have to remember what we have in common as created beings you know regardless of whether we think that you know the christian god created us or we created or we think that you know marduk created us or we think that apollo created us or, or giju manitou anything like that you know however you are comprehending that idea of creator that's something we have in common we we have in common that we believe that we were created it wasn't random we have in common that we were put into the creation for a reason you know, we we disagree on our instructions, but that you know from the polytheistic standpoint, that also makes sense. We have the idea that everybody gets their own instructions depending on who they are. Um, but uh, so we're all created beings. We all have a purpose. We all have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Going further, going further than purpose, we have a responsibility to be good in the creation and to mm-hmm. not you know not leave it worse than we found it and. You know, whether that means we take care of animals, we take care of people, or we take care of climate, or we take care of, of our kids, whatever that is for us. You know, every like I said a little bit earlier than that, everybody has instructions. You have your divine instructions, whether that's a gospel, whether that's a prayer, whether it. you know what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think we all sat back and we and we, you know, went a step above the labels and the religious parts that we create to make sense of those instructions. The instructions are divine. How we interpret them is ours. I don't, I don't, then this is probably somewhere where we may disagree. I don't believe that Christianity is all entirely coming straight from God and is not at all interpreted by people. I think people are part of that process. And to, and to the extent that Christianity and other religions are humanly created we have an obligation to find places of commonality in order to figure out how to do what we've been put on the earth to do mm. we're not going to be able to do that if we say oh well you know you're part of this other thing that's no good and and i can't yeah. and that kind of extends further out into the rest of the human sphere these days it's like you're not nothing is going to change if we're all going to sit in our own room and only talk to ourselves and people we like mm hmm this is mm-hmm. not this is not how the world gets better this is not how we mm-hmm. fix the problems that we have hiding from them declaring ourselves superior to them declaring ourselves you know this isn't my problem it's not my fault it doesn't matter the way that we solve the problems of the world that was created for us by the divine is together and in dialogue and we have to find the places that we can dialogue whatever they are it might not be mm-hmm. everything Mm It might. We might ultimately have to say, you know, this is not a thing I can do. Mm -hmm. But one assumes that there are some things that we can do, Mm -hmm. given that our religions have so many things in common. There have got to be other things that we can do in common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I would, I for one would like to see more grace Mm -hmm. between lots of religious traditions, not just these two, Mm -hmm. but lots. You know, to to just Mm -hmm. sort of. A, a, a take a step back and remind ourselves you know hey these are also children of the creator
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh that's that's good stuff and i i i definitely agree with you know a lot of that um and i mean as as christians we definitely believe in grace so uh we're not we need to practice it more. And like you said, we can we can be upfront about areas where we you know, where we disagree. Um, you know, I believe Jesus is the only God and the only one worthy of worship. And and, you know, we we see that differently and we can we can be direct about that and honest about it. But, you know, in a, in a graceful and respectful, you know, and, and and even in the context of a friendship. And and I, and I think that, um, you know, we uh, we as Christians need to get better at, um, you know, really. Uh, as showing that grace and that love. I think sometimes we think that you know, we, you know, we have to, it's in our control, but we Christians understand that it's not our bisrod, but it's Jesus's bisrod and we're the, uh, we're the stewards and the proclaimers of it. And I think about Paul and the Areopagus who, when he was engaging with practitioners of of Hellenistic religion, you know, you know, he was very friendly. Uh, he was even affirming in areas where their religion agreed with the Bible um mm-hmm. with them. And he also was invited into spaces that dialogue. He didn't, you know, go in and, you know, Tear up people's homes like Shadunda did, and so uh, and so we you know we have we have our instructions here, and so um, so I agree with you, and I hope that more people in our community. And I just say that because, especially you know, in the in the Black community, as much as I don't agree, um, not only with clearly with Comedic uh, communities uh, theology uh, and, and their spiritual beliefs but also even in in the, in the, in the black community, in the comedic community, even people's historiography. And as we both have shown that we don't agree with, um, but as much as I don't agree with those things, I do think that, um, that we as black Christians in the context of the black community um, as Christians, we have a certain uh, level of, uh, of privilege or social privilege or, or dominance. And I've heard stories from comedic uh, African-American and uh, other black comedic folks that have been um, really discriminated against and, and um, and, and treated badly by Black Christians, and so yes, you know we have to be faithful. You know, I'm, you know, as a Black Christian talking to other Black Christians, like we have to be faithful to the bisrat, um, and, um and 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 all of that. But we can do that with love and and with grace, um, and we are called to do that. Um, and uh, and because it's His Bisrod. it's not it doesn't belong to us. And exactly like you were saying, it came before us. And so, um, so again, I just. Um, I really uh, yeah I just I'm disagreeing with you but uh, I just appreciate this time I wish we I feel like we could just talk all day <laughs> and geek out and and also uh, try to try to you know fix the world's problems but but I just um I just appreciate dr. Suda you coming on and before we before we dismiss um, I just wanted to also ask if there was any um, maybe things that you're doing things you're working on or just any ways that the audience can continue to follow what the work your research you're doing uh, just any things you want to plug or, or just ways people can stay connected with you
1: um, oh, that's a good question. I I actually do. I have a Patreon where I every day I give out uh, the dates and the religious holidays and the and the background of the Egyptian calendar, um, which people find interesting. And I also offer uh, lessons in things like learning how to read hieroglyphs or or studying the wisdom literature, which is the the ethical text that we have. Um, and I also have a, an apprenticeship in ancient Egyptian magic for people who are interested in that. It's not—it's not a class. It's actually a, a one-on-one training. Um, I do that. Um, my temple is open to anybody who's interested in being part of it. I'm not <laughs> making a point. Very firm point. This is something that you and I have separately. We don't proselytize. This is not a. We, we are not. There is nothing in our tradition that says that we should witness or that people should join us. So I'm saying that that thing exists, but I'm not trying to get converts. That's not what I'm doing. Um,
2: But but folks are welcome to come and learn and- and Absolutely.
1: Uh, We actually have a, there's a message forum that's open um, that has several thousand members at this point. And and Mm -hmm. people come from lots of different backgrounds and talk about all kinds of things that have to do with ancient Egypt, and not just the religions. That's a thing that does. Um, I'm working on a book currently. Uh, The manuscript is actually due at the end of June um, which is an encyclopedia of ancient Egyptian deities. Call it's currently called 100 Gods of Egypt. I don't know if we're going to keep that title, but that's what they're calling it. Um, there are actually more than 100 gods, so that's why I'm not sure we're going to keep it. Um, and that should be out, you know, depending on depending on how long it takes to get edited and printed. It'll be out you know, at the end of the year, beginning of next year, something like that. Um, I'm still working on getting my dissertation published. Um, that's that's a prog- that's a process in progress. Uh, so there's lots going on.
2: Um, wow. Well, I, I might have to personally hit you up on those hieroglyphic classes, man. That's because, <laughs> uh, man, I, I need I, I got the Coptic, but I need to go back and, and see the connections there. So, I'm, yeah. Um,
1: oh, right. Yeah. It helps. Lear, learning hieroglyphs helps Coptic a whole lot.
2: Oh, man. And when oh.
1: People learn Coptic. They get told that it's so many percentage of Greek, which it is. It has lots of Greek mm-hmm. long words, but the entire grammar of it. Is hieroglyphic, mm-hmm. and if you come at it, if you come at it from the hieroglyphic side, it makes a lot more sense than it does if you come oh, wow. at it. From the side. So, oh, learning is a little bit more complicated because of the script.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Lots of more letters. <laughs> but.
2: Oh man, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, 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 I'm geeking out already. That's what? man. Whoa. We can totally well, thank you about. again uh, dr suda so much and again I just man i I, I could keep talking but um, but we hopefully we can have you back again and, and and talk about more topics about early African Christianity and civilizations in general but again thank you so much for being here uh, we really appreciate it
1: okay thanks
2: yeah all right all right everybody well um uh thank you so much for tuning in um I was blessed by that uh, again we talked about um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, We I think we've shown from different religious perspectives, um, but also as mutual scholars that, again, uh, Christianity is not a copy of Egyptian religion. The two were distinct, uh, have always been. And in fact, that's not even the way people thought about it. Um, and it, part of that proof of that is that there was a lot of tension. Uh, but um, at the same time, you know, there was um, some of that was really done in a bad way. So uh, it's really a blessing to be able to sit and talk with um, a fellow image bearer uh, of, of the Lord and um, and also a fellow scholar. And we can have respectful, uh, fruitful dialogue. And so it's not even just um, about the, the knowledge and the resources, but it's also about how we go about it and the spirit of, about it and being faithful to the Bisrot and also loving our neighbor and our fellow image bearer. And so it's uh, such a blessing to be able to have a, a fruitful conversation and I hope folks will continue to in grace and in honesty and truth, continue these conversations in our community um and so uh definitely um definitely follow the work of dr suda uh you can actually connect and learn more about her religious community uh at uh K E M E T dot org uh, and also at netger n-e-t-j-e-r org um, and then also you can follow some of her uh, historical and language resources uh at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com uh, forward slash uh t Suda tsiuda so definitely connect more and learn more about the um our our neighbors uh in our community and connect and learn um and uh and um and and be a living witness of the bisrat in all these communities so and and also of course always continue to follow the uh all the work in ministry of the Jude 3 project uh and also the bisrat podcast this is one episode we have many more coming uh where we are going to continue to discuss uh various topics relevant to early african christianity so that we can continue to equip the black church and the black community to uh to proclaim the bisrat in our community in word and in deed and so thank you so much again for being with us in this conversation uh and we will see you on the next one and i will say today i'll use the egyptian word for god which is nuda and i will say to all of you nuda bless you all amen
0: you for listening to the biz rock podcast with dr vince bond Two sponsored by the jude 3 project remember to rate and subscribe wherever you stream your favorite podcast and remember if you want to help support the mission and vision of the jude 3 project to help black christians know what they believe and why through this podcast or other avenues you could do so by going to jude3project.org and hitting that donate tab to give by mail or to give online every gift helps equipped and we're so thankful for your support and your prayers we appreciate you and until next time grace and peace and god bless